I've known James Marshall for 20 years and uh, 10 years ago, I was all set to marry my very first girlfriend, the woman who I'd lost my virginity with, because like many people that we work with, I struggled with my own sexuality, my ability to engage in relationships, my self-confidence and many other issues. And so I was trapped in a relationship that would have meant a doomed marriage for me, I'm sure, at this stage in my life. Now, being the best friend that he is to me, James sent me a letter. This was back when you still put letters in the post with a stamp stuck to it, which invited me on a camping trip. And on that camping trip, it wasn't so much what he said to me, it was what he asked me and how he asked me. Is this really what you want to do with your life? Is this really your destiny? Is this really as far as you want to go with relationships and dating? This was well before, a year before he had any, any contact with the seduction community or ideas about pickup uh, or becoming a dating coach. But that camping trip changed my life. Soon after I broke up with my fiance at the time and then moved down to Melbourne to live in a share house. And it was in the following year, 2006, that I saw James discover the seduction community and start making steps towards forming the natural, the natural lifestyles, the company whose stage I'm standing on today. And I was having a conversation with someone, Andy, uh, who I met out there in the, in the foyer just before, about how mind-blowing that is for me. Ten years after that, after seeing James first get involved in it, he's formed with his amazing team of coaches and uh, other technical people and assistants, an international company that changes the lives of men. I'm forever grateful to him and it's an absolute privilege and a pleasure for me to be here as the MC for this event. And so... With further ado, I'd like to welcome to the stage someone whose passion and drive I respect, someone who has a deep understanding of human nature and relationships, my best friend, James Marshall. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles podcast. You feel good? Yeah. Do you feel high energy? Yes. Or do you feel more kind of low energy? Both. Yeah? All right, at this conference, we encourage all types of energy. So if you guys are more on the introverted, low down, cruisy type, then that's awesome. As you guys know, that is my style. So I won't be doing any more of that hey there and making you put your fist in the air. I just had to do it once because I know you're supposed to do that at your first conference, all right? So, Welcome to the Masculine Mastermind Conference. It is an absolute honor to be standing on this stage. It's fucking great to see you and see that you exist. <laughs> I wasn't really sure if anyone would really turn up. You, you were like, Who's that? are they going to be here or are we just going to be sitting there and going, right, well, that was an expensive trip to Budapest. <laughs> it was all a scam. Ten years was just to sting you guys. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time working on this shit, right? I, I guess you realize when you see our videos that we didn't just like hold up an iPhone and film it. We put a huge amount of effort into putting together material, putting out the daily naturals and the, the vlogs and the infill videos, which of course are all fake, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, we pay actresses and then we spend hours. It's so, it's quite hard. You have to rehearse, fucking it up and getting it right. And, and then I'm like, okay, that's, what would a real person say in this situation? She's like, I, I think I'd say, mm, I'm busy. Right, that's great. Let's write that one down. No, we don't think, is any, did anyone ever think that? And please be honest, like, I'll forgive you. Did anyone ever think, he's that guy's like, yeah. 
<laughs> what do you think now? Have, I, have we convinced you yet? All right. You can just tail me through the streets and see if I do, any, do actually do whatever. So, no, I really appreciate the fact that you guys have got up away from your computers and traveled for the most part across countries, right? How many Hungarians are actually in the room? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like all of us individually at the end of this to go and apologize to him <laughs> for coming into his city and causing a mess. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so I, firstly, I just wanted to pay respects to you. I really appreciate this. This means a lot to us. This is the first time we put on an event of this scale. And it's, it's interesting because we, when we first started way back in Melbourne nearly 10 years ago, we used to do this kind of thing. We used to get up in front of much smaller groups in, in the backs of pubs and, and you know, in dodgy little kind of uh, meet-up groups or the back of an RSL, which is like a return, like a pub with a bowling green and some old men in the front drinking their beers as people would sheepishly file in and out the back, like just the sex things this way, something written on a bit of paper like, you know, don't ask any questions, it's that way. <laughs> and so, but we haven't done anything like that for years and this is the first time in ages that we've, I've got to get, get up and stand up in front of a group of people and so I hope you'll be kind to me as I try to remember how to be a presenter and um, we're going to get into some cool shit. So the purpose of this weekend is to fill your brains with all sorts of ideas and to make you stretch intellectually and emotionally and sexually. Just We won't be getting you to do that with each other or with anyone else in the room, but to start to ponder and question some of your... And hopefully to mean that when you come out of this weekend, you guys are going to be charging. So firstly, you guys have from all different experience levels. And so I wanna know who here is at the stage in their journey where they haven't really gone and talked to any girls or if they have, it's been sporadic here and there when it was really easy when the girl's like sitting on a bench and the sun's shining and she's like uh, reading a book that says, please boys come and talk to me and looking around. <laughs> yeah, so who's in that, in that stage? And there's, no, there's absolutely no shame or judgment. Okay, cool, right. That's awesome, the beginner's phase, which can be hell uh, this weekend, we're going to be giving you a bunch of foundational material, some great techniques, some ways to get over the two main issues that men face when they're first starting out at this. Anyone want to guess what they are? Two main issues. Just getting yourself to go and talk to a girl because you're afraid of that. And then when you get there going, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> Who's done that? Going up there and going, hey, I saw you from there and I wanted to say... <laughs> She's like, yeah, and you're like... I got nothing. I'm out of here. It will continue to happen occasionally for the rest of your life. And that's going to be okay when you learn the methods for processing that process. Most men don't come to an event like this, don't come to coaching, and don't ever go out on the streets and get anything happening because they don't want to look like a fool. I've met guys who spent years preparing to approach. And maybe some of you are like that. If you think about it, if you haven't really been approaching, you have been spending some years. You spend a whole bunch of years looking at girls and going, ah, boy, I hope one of those turns up in my university class and sits down next to me and asks me for a pen sometime. You've been in these situations where you've been waiting and hoping that women would come into your life, and now you're proactively coming to a space where you want to go out there and choose, right? Yes? yes. yes. Or does anyone want to just swipe and wait? <laughs> that technique is not very good, the old swipe and wait. Sometimes I pull out Tinder just to remind myself what the alternative is. And I've been doing this series where I've been, I, I travel to a new country every month at least, 
And so I've been filming gradually this series of like why Tinder sucks. And so every new country I go to, I pull out my phone and I go like this. What? And at the end of that, when I run out of matches, I feel like a piece of shit and I'm pretty clear to me that nobody's ever going to love me because I didn't, because the only girl that matched me, I was like, really? Okay. And there's girls I'm like, you're going to reject, you are going to reject me? I can understand why you would, but you know. And so, you know, I've gone around the world to prove that, okay, that is not the best way to do that. Because in the amount of time that I can run through a demoralizing list of, of rejections, I can go out and meet a couple of girls and I can probably get a date. And just on that, as an aside, I sat down recently with a lover of mine, my lay down next to her, and I said, do you use Tinder, right? She's like, yeah, sometimes. I said, show me how you do it. And she pulled her phone out and she went, you know, we go that way, they go this way. And she's like, nope, nope, no. Nope. And I was like, hang on, stop, stop. That guy, he was pretty good looking. No, I don't like his shirt. Nope, nope, nope. What, well, hang on, hang on, what about this dude? He's holding a puppy. She's like, mm, he's looking at me a bit funny. Don't like him. Nope, nope, nope. It's just, you know, for, for them, it's a totally different thing. And then the only time she says yes is when it's the perfect archetype of every single thing that she ever wanted. And if she wants to, she can write to him and say, want to come over? And he'll go, yep. So that's the, you know, that's the different experience of a man who's trying to use technology to get women as opposed to a woman who, who can use it primarily. Why do women use those apps at all? Is it to get laid or is it something else? Validation. Validation. And you would too. Imagine if you just got to go every day and go, I wonder if I'm cute. Hey, you're sexy. Oh, I'm sexy. Yeah, yeah, I want to fuck you. Oh, well, I guess I want to fuck me. It's just a video game where they get to like, be told that they're cute and sexy. Cool, why would you want to ruin that by going and meeting some dude and having an awkward date? So anyway, I digress. I don't know why I got there, but I did. Who here in the audience is in a position where they've been doing this for a while? You've been out running around meeting girls on the streets, in the bars, in the morgues, don't do that, <laughs> sexual health clinics or wherever, whatever. And you're getting something happening. You're getting on dates and sometimes the girl flakes. Most of the time girls flake. That's what they do. Girls flake. Teodora, have you flaked on a man before? Yes, I know you have. I'm sure you have. No matter how good you get at this, I'm pretty good, you would hope. And I still get, I don't know, 50% at least of the girls that I get numbers of disappear. And if anyone's like, what? Fuck this, I'm out of here. You're like, you lied. You lied to me. On those videos, it looked like every girl said yes. No, we've released, we've released compilations of us getting rejected. Yeah, it, it happens. It's always going to happen. So don't feel bad about it. Understand that there isn't, partially this is a number, numbers game, and that there are certainly ways to improve those odds from all girl flaking or 10, 9 out of 10 flaking to 50% would be cool. Because if you go and approach two hot girls, okay, you're going to get a date, hopefully, when you get good at this. So who's at that stage where... They're out meeting girls, getting numbers, sometimes getting on dates, getting laid here and there. You know, some of those more advanced levels. Hands up, anyone? Okay, awesome. All right, so for you guys, and everyone else as well, but for you guys, we're going to be looking at some bigger concepts. And I'm, when we were looking at how to approach this over the weekend, we wanted to be able to hit information that was going to resonate with a whole bunch of different guys. And we decided to construct things in terms of putting together a foundations, series of talks where we will be looking at the beginner's stuff, the approaching, the conversation, the dates, the mindsets. However, you never get over the beginning stuff. You guys know that I'm all about principle-based learning. It's not about learning a technique and I've mastered that, so I'll throw that out and move to the next one and the next one and the next one. When I was first learning martial arts, I came to understand pretty quickly 
that a true master, someone who is very good at their art form, always return to the foundations, always return to the beginner's mind, to the basics, because that is where everything comes from. The principles which I have kind of deconstructed, and originally I did that through looking at martial arts that were either technique-based, where when you punched, then you did this, and then you clicked that with another technique, and then hopefully had enough techniques to be able to be prepare for any eventuality. And then I saw other styles of martial arts which were based around understandings of force, of movement, of angles, right, of breath, and all of these principles that when you understood those, you could make infinite numbers of applications. And that was what gave me the original inspiration to create a teaching system where I could try and communicate this quite, in some ways, ephemeral or vague or um, difficult to pin down idea of what it means to be a natural. Right? And all of, you, all of you want to be natural with women, right? Okay. And what does that mean? Any, any ideas? What does it mean to be natural? Yeah? Free and easy conversation. A free and easy conversation. Cool. I mean, I've met guys who are really good at conversation, but they don't get laid. So, I mean, that will help. Sure. What else? Sexual. Sexual what? Just sexual. Just yeah, sexual. Just sexual. <laughs> everything's, everything's sexual. <laughs> yeah, a natural, with, a natural is someone who is certainly in touch with their sexuality who's not hiding it, who's not ashamed of it, and is not trying to trade it or do any, use any weird agendas or tricks to suppress it and then bring it out at weird moments. Yeah, someone who is a natural with, woman, with women has a, an ambient level of sexuality happening at all times with women. Of course, if that's too much, then we slip over into sleazy areas. But yeah, there is an element of that, that, okay, my presence, my intention is about sex. Any other ideas? Following your impulses, your instinct, yeah. To be yourself. Oh. <laughs> I'm triggered when you say that. I'm going to talk about that in one of my speeches. So let's leave that one aside for a minute. And don't feel anything weird. Like, that's a common thing that people talk about. And know thyself, as some Greek philosopher said once. I don't know, Socrates or something. Uh, yes, we'll be looking at that. But what does that mean? Practice well, makes perfect. No, it doesn't. Perfect practice makes perfect. Right? I can practice the same thing, and I've seen that. I've met guys, I remember early on when I was teaching, I, and I was really trying to get business, I went around to all sorts of strange meetup groups, lots of lairs, they called them. Does anyone, has anyone been to a lair? Maybe that's, yeah, is that still a thing? Okay, cool. Back in the day, that was where we started, and a lair was usually an online forum where guys got together and talked about mystery method and other weird, and, you know, hypnotizing girls into bed and various tricks you could use to trick them. And there were these groups of these guys all around the world, and I used to go around and speak to them. So there'd be 20 guys who would, like I said, slip in behind the pizza shop and come in and you know, give the little handshake and, and then come in and, and sit down, and everyone was a bit ashamed. And everyone, and everyone was like, okay, let's, we're going to learn the stuff to get the chicks. And there were guys that are there I would talk to, and they would say, oh, yeah, look, I did, I did 100 approaches on Friday night and didn't get anything. I'm like, what? 100 approaches in a night? I've never, I have never done anything close to that. If I do a dozen approaches in the day, that's a big day for me, for sure. And I, and I said, well, what are you doing 100 times? And he's like, I'm working on this one opener. You know, I just go up, I can't remember what the opener, maybe it was like one of those weird old openers, the horse opener or something, where it's like, you like horses, right? And then the girl says, nah, yeah, and they run through this whole spiel. There was, there was all sorts of these strange openers back in the day that were sold as, if you say this, it works, right? This is, that's it. And if it doesn't work, it's, 
something wrong with your delivery. Well, it's just, you just need to keep practicing it and doing it over and over again. And so going and practicing the wrong thing in an uncalibrated way without responding to the feedback of, of the person you're working with won't work. All right? So of course we must practice. You can't just do one approach and, ho and expect you're going to get the girl of your dreams. Uh, and if you do do that, you're going to lose her. If by some amazing chance you happen to just bumble into the right girl, if you don't have experience with women in general, then it's very hard to hold a high value or high self-esteem woman. So perfect practice, that's going to be important. And it's imperfect practice of the perfect thing, right? So it's like going out there and trying to do it perfectly every time, that's going to mess your head up. Go out there expecting to do it imperfectly, but you want to be working on what the, the right ways of doing things. That's what we're here to try and give you guys guidelines uh, and save you, hopefully, years of trial and error. Because I didn't have any teachers originally. Well, I did, and I'll talk about them a little bit soon, now, in a minute. <laughs> All right, what else makes a natural? Being at ease with your imperfections. That's really important, right? Because we are always going to be imperfect. I've done three perfect seductions in my life. I just made that number up, but let's just say it was three. There was not many, where like everything I did was just on point, and, every, and everything I said, I was like, damn, I'm good. <laughs> and, the girls, and the girls said, did you just say, damn, I'm good? And I'm like, yeah, and I said that right, too. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's happened occasionally, but I didn't learn much from that. The, things that the, the seductions that I learned most from were the ones where I fucked it up royally and then took the feedback and learnt. Okay? So, I don't know, I'm just rambling now, so I'm going to get into what is my specifically my speech. And I want to open with, with this. It's a question. What do you think is the one thing, the one like underlying program or driving kind of aspect that makes a man in the long term good at this? Having a self-esteem, okay? Curiosity. Persistence. Persistence. Awareness. Awareness. Okay, I'm always harping on about awareness, right? You've all heard me rant about that before, surely. Yeah, I will be doing it again, so don't think that I'm finished with that. Yes, I mean, the foundation, we have to have awareness. We have to be out of here in this vague thinking aspects or imaginations and all that. We need to be in the present, for sure. Confidence. Okay, he said it and he cheated because he already knew, and you said it again, so you get the Mars bar at the end. Yes, in my opinion, it is curiosity. That is the fundamental driver or engine that will make you get through the inevitable difficult times that will help you to traverse the beginner's hell and that will give you a compelling reason why in the long term, why the fuck you are doing this at all. I finished a workshop a week or so ago, seven day workshop, and I was having dinner with the guys at the end. We we're just chilling out and having a glass of wine and talking about the experiences, and one of the guys asked me, James, doesn't it get boring sometimes doing this? I'm like, what? Getting paid to travel the world, getting laid, and teaching people how to do that, and not what? And he said, no, I mean, like, you've experienced a lot with women, you've met a lot, you've seduced a lot of women, and you've probably seen more or less what is going to happen. Like, doesn't it get boring knowing that when you're going into an interaction with a girl that you probably can see where this is going? And then I went, oh, okay. Cool, yeah, that's a, that's a legitimate question. I had to think about it. I had to think about it for a minute. And I said, honestly, no. I, in, and in fact, I'm more interested in this now than I was when I first started. Because now, it's like, if you're a, I don't know, like a biologist, and you're standing looking at a, at a field, and there's a cow there, 
and there's some grass, and then there's a little butterfly. And then you can see there's some mushrooms growing out of the cow's turds, and so on. You see that in a very different way than the person who just walks up and goes, cow, shit, mushroom, that's it. If you see the entire ecosystem, you see the way all these things interrelate, they become more and more fascinating. And for me, over time, because curiosity was always my primary driver, as I get better and better, I see the deeper and deeper nuances. Right? I'm endlessly fascinated, and every ladies' man that I know that is good and good long-term has been able to maintain this in the long-term and have healthy relationships is someone who is endlessly curious about women in general. He wants to understand them. Has anyone ever asked a girl this question? Because I have. What's it like to be a woman? It's a weird, try it. They just go, whoa. Yeah. And one girl said once to me, I asked, because I'm, I'm like, I don't know. Like, that is an interesting thing to me. I'm like, okay, there's this whole other experience of humanity of being this thing which is similar to me in many ways and yet so different. And I understand some of it and probably more than most men, but I still, it's still a grand mystery to me. One girl said to me, it's like being in an endless dance between pleasure and pain. And I was like, whoa. If you asked me what it was like to be a man, I probably wouldn't have said that. <laughs> what would I say? Now, I, I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Curiosity is key for multiple reasons. I mean, when I first got into this, my curiosity was really about, like, how can I get what I don't have? Right? I ha it, was, it was more selfish and it was more, more self-enclosed and solipsistic. Or I couldn't really see so much outside of my own experience. And women were like almost like an alien species to me, right? Okay, I could see that they had arms and legs and they responded to certain stimulus, but I didn't know what the fuck was going on inside their brains or their, their emotions or their sex drive. And so there was a lack, a distinct lack of connection. There was a massive degree of separation. And every time I went up to a woman, it was like really trying to negotiate with this alien individual, trying to find out, like ask random questions, like, do you have any pets? What's your favorite color? And, um, you know, what time does this place close? And just throwing things out to see if, if they responded to any of it. Right? And, that, and that was a really important phase. And I look back and cringe sometimes thinking about all the retarded things that I asked girls or tried to do. But I had no other choice because that was what I had at my disposal. When I first started on this journey of going to cold approach, which was, as John was saying, around 2006 when I first, I broke up with a girlfriend who was pretty hot and uh, cool and because I, I wanted something more. And I'll talk more about that story in the next couple of days. But I started going out and approaching girls and I didn't have any mentors. I didn't, there was no, the only stuff that was around then was the indirect methods and the weird, you know, here's a story that I spend an afternoon memorizing that's a lie and I'm gonna go and tell it to a girl and she's gonna go, okay buddy, because uh, that's what that stuff did. And so who did I have to learn from? And I said this before, okay, I did have mentors. The mentors were the women that I met. Because I, had spent many years prior to going and cold approaching meditating. I'd spent a lot of time investigating myself, having curiosity about myself, which is an area that is vitally important. If you want to have curiosity about the world, you need to also be very curious about what's going on internally. And I'd spent many days in retreat centers, many weeks in retreat centers. I'd spent years practicing different uh, introspective techniques so that I could understand myself more. And what they did is it cleared out space in my mind and allowed me to be more present and then therefore to be more responsive and to be able to observe what was going on for the other person. So although initially there was a lot of distance between me and the women as I was going and trying to figure out, okay, who is this creature and how do they work? I started taking lessons from them. 
women are always, always trying to teach you how to seduce them. Every time you go up and have any kind of interaction with them, they're trying to give you all sorts of lessons. Problematic is that we don't see those. If you run up to a girl and you go, hey, excuse me, oh uh, yeah, I just saw you from over there, and she's like going like this, and she's like, oh yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm actually busy, and you're like stepping in front of her, and I, I just wanted to, come on, I'm just trying to get to the, just give me a chance, just fucking hang on. Right? All of these movements are little lessons of her. She's like, I feel uncomfortable with that. I'm trying to get past you. Uh, you're, talking, you're talking too fast and I'm not really understanding you. I'm giving you an excuse because I'm trying to move around this situation because there's negative pressure involved. She's trying to tell you all that stuff. Okay, of course she's not consciously thinking all those things in her mind, but she's responding to your actions. And if you're unaware of them and you're practicing the wrong thing over and over again, which is you've, you've seen someone online go, okay, the line, the day game line is, what's the day game line? That's the end of it, yeah. Starts, I just saw you, just to let you know, I was over here, and then I came over here, and I saw you, I was over here, and then I saw you, and then I came over here, and I told you that I was over there, and I had to come over here and, and tell you that I saw you. And then what happens in the day game line? You give the compliment, which is the same one every time. I think you look nice, or I think you look beautiful, I think you look cute. And then you finish it up with the old kicker, which is the, I saw you from over there, I thought you looked really cute, and my name's James. There we go, done. All right, that's the day game line. And every workshop, now that people research us really heavily before they come and do workshops with us, I, I hear these lines come out over and over again. And our first few days, is really about cracking people out of just repeating the same thing without taking the actual feedback from the girl. We will be giving you some very specific uh, examples. Liam's gonna give a talk on those first 90 seconds, how to make an opener work well. And it's not about those words. It's so much about being curious to see how does she respond to me. All right, so all of the initial lessons that I had before I found some other guys that were good at this were from actually watching and giving a shit about the other person. If you want to be a good salesman, you need to be able to understand the needs of the person you're selling to. You don't just go, I've got this cool thing and here's all the bells and whistles and trust me, it's going to be great. Buy it, buy it. Right? That doesn't work so much. Whereas if you go, I perceive that you may have a lack and a need in your life and let me find out a little bit what that is. And you can tell me more about that and then I can find ways to fulfill that need and feed back to you what you've already told me and I can come to an understanding of what your position is, what's going on for you, and then maybe you want to buy this thing because it's going to help. All right? Seduction and sales have some correlations. You need to understand like, very uh, important aspects of the female experience if you want to be able to, to move through her objections and touch her desires. What is the main reason, possibly, yeah, probably the, the absolutely main reason why women say no to men that they meet on the street that, okay, the guy came up and he looks all right, he's just okay, he's well-groomed and he's, a, he's got good posture and he came up and he said the day game line to her. What is the main reason a girl says no to that guy? Stigma. stigma. The stigma of what? Oh, that, okay, if, she's, if she gave a number on the street, everyone would go, slut, that chick just gave a number on the street. She's so easy. What was the other one? Someone, you said something? Uh, testing. Testing what? Masculinity. Okay, so she's like, all right, so a guy wants me. 
Let's see what he's made of. I'm going to test him by saying no, because I'm in charge. I'm in, I'm in perfect control of my emotional state right now. I know exactly what's happening. And I've, and I've decided consciously to test this man to see if he's right. If she's Russian, that is totally the case. <laughs> yep. For many other women, maybe not. What else? He's not present. Okay. So, yes, it's that one. It's fear. That's because... Because all of the other ones assume the girl knows exactly what's going on. She's like, oh, cool, the guy approaching me, I'm, t I'm, I'm fine, I'm not nervous. Yeah, I'm in charge of this situation, and uh, so I'm going to test him, or I'm going to be aware of the stigma, or, 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 I'm gonna, or the other one that I think a lot of guys think is, she's like, what? I have all the men that I want in my life. I have infinite options. I, there, there is nothing that this man could possibly bring me that I would want. Right? That's, the, that's one that we definitely all feel, because when... When the girl goes, oh no, we're like, oh fuck, she's, I'm not good enough, or she thinks she's so good. Right? That kind of thing, that's a reaction that often men have. But the primary reason really is some level of fear. It may be a fear, it, it's, it could be a fear of like actual violence, or because men are a dangerous prospect, random strangers can be dangerous. And that is one reason why we'll use a preframe to let her know, we'll say it even. Don't worry, I'm not dangerous. I don't know how that proves it, but I just said it. Yeah. <laughs> But, so it may be of that, or it may just be like other subtle levels of fear of like, I remember one girlfriend I had who said, oh, when I first started going out to clubs, uh, when I was like 17, and I dressed up and so I looked a bit older, and guys started hitting on me, and like these cool dudes and older guys and all these men started coming in, I just got in the habit of saying no like this, no, to every single guy, because I didn't know what to say. I was scared, like I didn't, I didn't know how to have a conversation with the guys, so I just went, no. And then I went, oh, okay. And then I added a bitchy like this to it, and then, and then that worked. And then I was like, ah, oh, shit. At the end of every night, I was like, I like that guy, and I said no to him. Why did I do that? I'm scared. Right? So if you don't understand that, because it is, like, think about it. You've had from over here to over here, to at least, to think about it. Right? You're like, all right, I'm going to go and approach this girl. Many times, she's like, whoa, there's a dude here. And now he's propositioning me on the street and possibly in a language that I'm not familiar with, and, and he's doing it really confidently. It looks like he's done this before. <laughs> it's like, whoa, this guy's really confident. You're like, and you're like inside, you're like, oh, I'm not confident. <laughs> Act confident, look confident. And she's just like going, I don't know what to do, how to deal with this. And do you think girls are necessarily any better at talking to strangers and getting to know people than you are? Yeah, they are a bit better, actually. Uh, but still, like being able to talk to a stranger in that scenario, there's a whole lot of pressure there. And so she's, the easiest thing, and people tend to do what's easiest, is to withdraw from the pressure, withdraw from the difficulty, withdraw from the fear, and reject the guy. So if you're not curious about a woman enough to understand, like, what is her experience like, then you'd miss that. Who, who here, that one thing I just told them is a little light bulb. You're like, oh, okay, that changes the way things happen. Good. Some of you put it up so I feel like I'm doing something right. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> it's, really, it's really important for us to understand. Like if you're standing in a club with a girl and you've been, you've been like shouting in her ear and trying to get something happening and leaning over and bobbing in and you notice that she's just starting to collapse and move away from you and it's, it's not working and so you're like shouting a bit louder and trying to... And without recognising, hang on a second, we're standing near the speaker. So it's very loud. I'm trying to shout in her ear. She's wearing high heels. It's one in the morning. She's been on those things for hours. Oh, what must that be like? Any of you guys worn high heels? It's painful. Yeah? Uh, and so she's, 
you know, she's in a situation where you're like, oh, I can understand this woman. I can be curious and realize that, yeah, she's, a, she's an organic being who has pain, who, who gets tired, who the, the volume is affecting her. And then I go, hey, those things must be killing you. Do you want to go sit down and we can chat somewhere quieter? And she's like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And you lead her well and you sit her down somewhere and now she's relaxed and the pain's off her leg and she can hear you and now she feels in a more conducive state to be with you. Okay, that's going to be a, of a massive advantage to you. So it is vitally important, even for the most selfish of reasons, even if you're like, I don't care about people, I'm a sociopath. Just good sociopaths understand what people want so that they can manipulate them well. All right, so statistically, there's one of you in the room. No, I don't know if there is. <laughs> All right, let's imagine you go to this town. It's a college town, and the college there is a nurse's college. There's only nurses there, aged 18 to 22. And it's just chicks and five gay dudes and one really smart straight guy. Uh, and actually, it sounds like a pretty good place to go. But you're there and you do it and you stand out, obviously, but this is an imagination. And you're running around and you're meeting girls. So you're going up to these girls and you're asking them questions. And you start to realize within a few of these interactions, you're getting exactly the same answers off every single girl. Okay, she has a different name, but she's 18 to 22. What's she doing? She's studying nursing. And uh, what does she do on the weekend? Well, she goes to the local club. And what else does she do? She does some kind of sport thing to stay fit and look good in her nurse's outfit. Right? So very quickly, you find yourself in these repetitive conversations with the girls because there's no variation on the facts. And this is an important kind of thought experiment because it is actually what you're doing normally. You're going up to girls, even though they may not be or be studying the same thing and, and they may have different hobbies or interests or sport things that they do, very commonly, guys just repeat the same kinds of questions and then find themselves in this situation where they're running out of stuff to say. I've been in the weird, privileged, bizarre position to listen in on and watch the first time boy meets girl thousands of times. So a big part of my job when I'm working on a workshop is to put a microphone on a guy, a hidden microphone, maybe illegal, I don't know, and send him out to talk to girls and watch and listen very carefully to what's happening and then give him critique when he comes back and then help to move to the next interaction and make it better. And so I've seen this, what, everything that's possible when a guy meets a girl. And just so you know, any of the things that you're most concerned about, the things that you've been worried about happening, don't happen. Because I've watched it in, I don't know, dozens of cities around the world. The worst things that I've ever seen, what do you think is the worst thing I've seen happen to a guy that approaches a girl? She said, fuck off. I've heard about six fuck offs. A slap. No, I've never seen a slap. Never seen it happen. Condescending? She was condescending. She was like, as if. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst one. That's the worst. When she, when she doesn't even like lift a single, you, she, she just, you're invisible. She's just like, didn't happen. And you're just like, <laughs> you're like, hey, I just was like, she's like, nope, that didn't happen. <laughs> that one hurts a little bit, yeah. <laughs> You are not even worth a fuck you. That's how little you matter to her. Yep. That is ba about as bad as it gets. And, that, and the reason why that is bad is, of course, because it hurts your ego. Right? It hurts your identity. I didn't even have a chance. She's not even willing to give me a look. Okay? But all the other things that you've been concerned about, the cops coming, and sometimes boyfriends, sometimes boyfriends turn up, and that's better than the you don't exist. The boyfriends ones, I, like, that's where I get a to enjoy my job, where I'm just like, and I always see it happening before the guy does too. I'm like, uh-oh, he's, uh, that guy is definitely, it's too late for me to do anything about it. 
Just going to sit and watch. The, the only thing I ever had was in New York in a mall when I was with Sasha Day Game and we were running around in a mall doing Sasha Day Game drills. <laughs> yeah, they noticed that pretty quick and they kicked us out pretty quick. But aside from that, no, I've never had any issues with the law. So I'm not saying that that can't happen. Of course, there are some countries where you just don't. Like guys sometimes write to me from Saudi Arabia and they're like, how do I do day game? I'm like, do not. <laughs> do not do the day game there. Please, I don't want to be responsible for that. So my advice is leave your country and your family forever. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's, that is some of the reality for some of the, I mean, large portions of the population out there that you can't really do this in many places. And for all of you guys, I think, who come from countries where you're not going to get arrested for it, and uh, you do have more or less freedom in, this, in these senses, then you are highly privileged, and please take advantage of it, and think of those dudes who send me those emails, and I'm like, fuck, man, that's rough. Yeah, please don't do it. So, going back to our utopian uh, town with just full of nurses, uh, just everyone go there for a moment and just think about it. Uh, how, would you, how do you navigate through that? In, and not make those beginner's mistakes where you're just like, okay, I'm asking random questions. What do you do? Where do you, where do you come from? How many goldfish do you have? Fucking, I'm just throwing shit out there and it's, I'm getting some generic answers back, but it's not, it doesn't seem to be creating a connection. And everyone knows that you have to create connections with girls. Right? That's something everyone says when they sit down on the first day with me at a workshop and I say, all right, what do you need to work on? What are we here for? And they're like, I need to have better connection. Right? So we need to, and they, and they tend to understand that as a technical issue. Right, I don't know how to do the connecting thing. Right, so how do we solve this connection problem so I can just get on to the sex? That's not the, way to, that's not the best way to view it. Because real connection is a lack of separation. Right? It's an actual flow between people. It's an understanding. It's a mutual curiosity about each other. Right? It's not a technique that we do. There may be technical aspects to questioning that will lead better to an outcome of connection, but just asking the right questions won't really help. So with these girls, and, and when, whenever I'm dealing with helping guys to lumber through their, their conversational issues, what you want to be looking at is how is she? What is she like much more than what does she do? Right? Because if we're just asking facts about the girl, we'll find them out pretty quick. But of all, if I ask 10 of those nurses in a row and they give me all those same answers, each one of them does those things differently. Right? If, we, if we're like, why, why is the girl there doing studying nursing in the first place? Okay, some of them may be doing it out of an altruistic thing because they really care about people and they want to make a difference in the world. Some of them may be doing it because they want to bang the hot doctors. Some of them may be doing it because it's part of their, their family and that was what their mother did and then they feel like there's a kind of a lineage there. Right? There, there could be all sorts of motivations for that. And how do they do that study? Is she someone who procrastinates and leaves things to the last minute and you know, just pulls things off by the seat of her pants? Is she someone who's meticulous and planned? Right? They all go to the club on Friday night. Okay. How? Some girls go to clubs to experience their body and to just get out of their heads and be sensual and get in tune with the crappy music and to really you know, be embodied and experience their sexiness and their femin femininity. Other girls may go to a club in order to work on their social hierarchies and gossip and bitch about that girl's clothes and uh, go and see if they can flirt with that girl's boyfriend because they just want to see what reactions they can get. Yeah, or they may be there because they're really open and gregarious people and they're friendly and they want to go and meet people and have a great time. Right? So there's all these different ways that she could be even though she's doing the same kind of thing. At the end of the day, the girl that you're going to date is not the hobbies. It's not her what. It's her how. It's the how she is. Because I know for myself, 
initially when I got into, when, I mean, before I got into seduction, when I was just dating girls in my social scene, I, I kind of could only relate to girls who had the same thing in common as me, right? So there were like alternative hippie chicks and spiritual girls and girls who were left-wingers and uh, girls who wore Converse sneakers and boys' boxes to bed, um, not so sexy. Those, those were the girls I could relate to because they were the girls I knew stuff about what they knew about. Now, I'm capable of being dropped in pretty much any city anywhere, probably not in Saudi Arabia, but most places around the world you can drop me and I'll be able to go and navigate that. I'll be able to meet people who have a vastly different worldview or hobbies or interests or ways of doing things and I'll be able to create a connection because I'll be able to be curious and understand them. I'll be able to dig below the surface and find out how do you do that? You know, what kind of that are you? What does that mean for you? And in this way, and then I will of course offer things about myself and I'll start to compare and contrast and share. And then this driving of curiosity, the thing that has led me on this really bizarre journey. I was brought up in a single parent household with a mother who was really struggling to hold shit together in a really shitty, boring town in Australia. Uh, I was not destined for greatness or destined for a particularly interesting life. But because I was very fucking curious about what was possible in myself, and that's a, that's a vital aspect of curiosity, and I'll segue there a little because that's how I do things. Most men that I work with are locked above the neck. They live in this space. And the majority of men that I work with are above average intelligence, highly analytical, very good at problem solving, often meticulous, often quite successful, bullheaded. Uh, they can be introverted. Like the, these aspects of people that continue to come and work with me. And they tend to have a lot of lock below the neck. So they're very, even though many of them may be really muscular and like sport orientated, guys who are really fit, they're not able to be loose, they're not able to relax. So many of the guys that I work with, I actually do classes on walking and moving. These guys, every step, they have to be Robocop. It's like I'm moving my, <laughs> moving my arms consciously every single fucking step, which is a lot of work. Yeah, and it kind of, on, from the outside, it looks like a, a male mammal walking along, um, upright gibbon walking along, but it's not actually relaxed. And that was something that I had to go on a long journey of self-discovery to understand how to loosen the fuck up and get inside my body in a way that was relaxed and enjoyable and that my body could become an expression of my will or of my creativity or of my joy or of my sexuality. All right, so many of the guys that I work with are locked up emotionally. They're not able to cry when needed. They're not able to express uh, their intention, their passion, their desire. Yeah? And many men that I've worked with have a lot of locks sexually because of shame, of guilt, fear, of conditioning, being told that their sexuality is bad in some way. A lot of guys coming from strict religious backgrounds, or even when I didn't come from a strict religious background, but I had a general sense that my sexuality, that my boner was something that was shameful, that I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be in any way trying to share with the world, I should be keeping it hidden. And hanging out with guys who are all boner first, yeah, where it's just like, you know, proud of it. And then seeing, of course, that when I actually was out and proud in an intelligent way, that women responded really well to it, was able to see, okay, no, it's a really powerful thing to be sexual, right? So this constant introspection, moving through my meditation phase, moving into exploring my sexuality, into performance, I was a very, very shy and brutalized kid. I had uh, a lot of bullying growing up. Anyone used to get beaten up in school by motherfuckers? Yeah, uh, yeah I had a lot of that experience. And it was through learning to play the flute, sing opera, and then later join bands and doing theater and improvisation that I became able to be more expressive. 
the reason I can stand on this stage right now and riff, and the speech I wrote has totally gone out the window now, I'm just like making this all up as I go along, that's fine, is because of all those years of exploring my interior space, of being really curious about what else I could be. All right, when you said, someone here, be yourself, I think that's bad advice, because it's, it suggests that yourself is static, that you are, okay, right now you guys are like, I'm myself, when are you not yourself? Right now I'm sitting in this chair being myself, I know the, my job and my age and my rank and my file and serial number and I know that I like this and I don't like this and I'm not good at this and I'm good at that and that's me. Is it? No. There's far more to you because you know that there's been times in your life when something earth shattering has happened to you and you've been destroyed and full of like an all encompassing sorrow and despair. And if you haven't, it's coming. And, in that, and then in that experience, you've seen that there is some, there's this other deep dark aspect of yourself. You've probably had moments of epiphany where everything clicked and there was a transcendence and you weren't just this small mind inside this skull but you were connected to some other greater source, just maybe experiencing something in nature or taking LSD or having an amazing experience with, with somebody or watching a sunset. You know, these moments where you go, whoa, I'm way bigger, I'm way more, I'm way more connected. You've had experiences of like this primal, deep, murderous rage probably that's come up in you and if you haven't, it'll come at some point as well that has risen inside and you've seen, wow, there's, there's a killer inside me as well. All of these aspects that are wired into us from billions of years of evolution, of all of our conditioning and of all, all of our experiences that in many ways are locked down and unexplored are vital for you to go on a journey to discover. If you want to be an interesting person, you need to be interested. You need to be interested in the world around you, the women that you speak to, the people that you interface with, with new ideas and trying on new ideas. Being open-minded is not an idea. It's not just like a thing you go, yeah, okay. Anyone here in this room who would happily stand up and say, I'm not open-minded? Come on, come on, there's gotta be one. No. All right, everyone likes to consider themselves to be open-minded, right? You ask, oh yeah, I'm an open-minded person. You ask any girl that, she'll say yes. But my definition really, like how do you know if you're open-minded, is when you can try on another set of beliefs, another operating procedure and install it and then operate from that position. That's true open-mindedness. That's you going, all right, well, I see your idea. And not just like I'm like, I respect that. You can have your idea over there and you can live your lifestyle. And I feel, you know, smugly okay about saying that you're okay to do that. Uh, or I can go, all right, let me try that on and see what that's like. And you have to do that to become effective with women. You have to be able to try on all sorts of belief st structures and operating procedures that are often encounter or in, uh, are contrary to ones that you've been brought up believing. I used to believe women gave sex to men in order to get into a relationship. Anyone ever can, can relate to that kind of belief? Pretty common belief. Like why else would they have sex with a girl, with a guy, with a girl? Because they feel like it. They were drunk. Um, because why do they have sex with a guy? Well, it must be either that or because that guy tricked her or she was somehow manipulated into bed. That, those are my ideas about why a woman slept with a guy. And that did not allow any room for me to be a man that a woman had sex with for any other reason, right? We'll talk about this more in some of my latest speeches about more about the motivations for female sexuality and understanding what are the, some of the more effective belief structures which are gonna allow you to be a sexual adventurer that plays multiple roles in a woman's life. But right now you can start to just think about and I want you to use this weekend as a time of self-inquiry, questioning what it is you believe and, and the first thing you need to do is identify it. A lot of these things just hum in the background and we're not even aware that they're running us. We're just like, oh yeah, that's how things are, right? Of course, that's just the way life is, or that's the way women are, or that's the way I am. 
and it comes through questioning and doubt and inquiry that you really start to open up other possibilities. Extremists can be very effective at getting things done. When they cut out all other options, an extremist believes one thing and follows that rigidly and doesn't question, sometimes that can be very effective. And some of the guys that I teach are very effective in many areas. Because they have locked themselves up in the intellect and they, they are problem solvers and they meticulously work through things in a logical, pragmatic manner, they can get very successful in their work. Or they can be very disciplined in their fitness, for example. But if they're locked into that space and they're not allowing themselves to be a bit more free and relaxed and open, then they're blocking off all of these other options. I want to finish this first speech with the concept of the beginner's mind. In Zen Buddhism, they talk about this as kind of the foundation of your spiritual study. There's a saying, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. And that is counter to the way most people run their lives. They start off young and like trying to learn stuff and asking their parents why about everything. And gradually, and they seek out mentors or get their qualifications and find their place in the world where they are a specialist in something or they understand some area. And then they tend to move more and more into this position of being the expert, of not wishing to question anything because then they have to deal with their identity being shaken all the time. And so they smugly, proudly settle in one spot and go, okay, I'm good at this, I know this area and all the other stuff out there I don't need to know about. I like to think that as I've gotten better and better at this, that I embody more of the beginner's mind than I did at the beginning. When I had a lot of judgments and a lot of preconceived ideas that I was trying to prove, and therefore, when you, tr you can prove pretty much anything. If you set out to prove an agenda, you will delete, distort, remove any evidence that's, that is there to the contrary in order to hold your position. But when your position is limited, then that's a problem because you cannot have your limitations and growth at the same time in the same area. Interestingly, humans can have massive limitations in one area and growth in another area. We can hold paradoxes in place. But if we believe strongly that women only have sex in order to have relationships, and we're trying to get girls on one-night stands, those things don't really coexist very well. We're fighting against ourselves. It's vitally important that you have an actual open mind, that you approach this weekend, and then everything that happens out of this. I'm hoping that this will be a catalyst for your personal change. We're not here to teach you everything and fix everything in 48 hours. That's not possible. But we want to give you as much to play with, as many ideas, as many new questions, uh, I want you to come out more confused at the end of this than you were now. <laughs> hope that, that, that would be my hope. But confused in a good way because you're like, wow, this is way bigger than I thought. I thought I just had to learn the line and the thing, you know, and the steps and the machine and then it's done. Yeah, no, there, there's, there's so much more to this. Seduction study can be the catalyst for profound personal change. And it has been for me. It's been a guiding principle, the curiosity to find out more of what I am, of what women are, of what possible ideas and modalities and concepts out there that are going to assist me. This has been the, the guiding kind of point that has led me through these journeys. And for other people I've seen, it operates in the opposite way. I've met people who have focused solely in on this as a pursuit of collecting trophies and trying to prove themselves over and over again, no matter how many girls they manage to hustle into bed using their techniques and their tricks and their lies and the, and the masks it doesn't fill that hollow sense inside yourself that I'm not being real, that I'm not actually exploring myself truly. I'm just trying to trick someone to think that I'm cooler than I am. So seduction study can be both of those things. And it's okay if you slip off 
uh, your path and fall into those different uh, aspects. I know initially my motivation for this was egotistical. It was absolutely about trying to prove that I was sexy enough or cool enough to get that type of girl. And that's okay if that's where you're at right now, but that's not a, a good enough reason to propel you in the long term. In my opinion, the thing that will continue, will keep you on this path because you kind of have to stay on this path. Seduction is not a, I learn to pick up a girl, I pick up the girl, I'm done. Very unlikely that's going to happen. This will be cyclical, and I will talk about this in depth in my relationship talk later in the weekend, that the, that the understanding of this is an arc of development that you will continue over many years. And so you can choose to learn through pain and suffering and rejection and or staying in a safe, closed-in bubble and just having life hammer you with lessons until you finally get it, or you can choose to learn through going out and meeting amazing women and having really incredible experiences. For all of the fear and doubt and uncertainty that you'll have to deal with along the way, it's totally worth it. So please, for this rest of this weekend, I'm not saying don't have a critical mind. I'm not saying don't question us. Please do question things. Don't accept everything or anything even that we've said just because we said it, just because we're on a stage with lights on us doesn't mean we're necessarily correct. But to temper any cynicism or, or doubt with this ability to try on new ideas and notice that if you are being triggered by something, that if something is really rankling against you, then maybe that's an area that you really need to investigate. Maybe that's something you've been holding on to dearly. It's a limitation that's fighting for its life. Because as I said before, you can't really have a limitation that defines you and growth in the same area at the same time. You're going to have to let go of one in order to commit. And that's all I have time for right now, gentlemen. Thank you once again for coming here. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.